It's that time again for the assault on your ears we call Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Stavros. Tonight on our screens is episode 6 of season 4, Empathological Fallacies? <laughs> Maybe? You, you really got to try to say it at least once before you, you know, just reading it doesn't do it justice. You know, you know maybe we should have practiced this, practiced this before I started reading things. <clears throat> and you know what? Fortunately, in our cups is something that's a little bit easier to say. It's a daiquiri. Wait, a daiquiri? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's, that's how you say that for sure. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I kind of, uh, I was looking at the promo pics of this episode and it shows the some of the characters with long cups and you know what i, I thought you know that kind of looks like daiquiris you kind of see those on in vegas poolside drinks so you know what we're drinking that in case you didn't know what a daiquiri is it is ice and strawberries in this case lime juice and rum or you could be like me and just get a mixer and then just add ice and rum to it indeed um, i didn't want to run a blender um perhaps to my detriment uh, i was drinking mine you know, it tastes nice and fruity, which is good. But then, you know, I was drinking it with a straw because I was like, you know what? The characters in the episode are using straws. I'm going to use a straw. And then I said, well, let me just sip it and see if it tastes different. And all the rum had gone to the top and I just got a mouthful of oh, rum. So no. I don't know like, how it to mix say, it. It doesn't stay mixed on your end? <laughs> it's not staying mixed. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. Mine is like pseudo mixed, but instead of, you know... Instead of, I did raspberry, by the way, because that's the kind of person I am. But I actually did a raspberry smoothie mix that I put in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And then I threw in my lime and my rum, because that's the kind of man I am. I'm lazy, but not that lazy. (laughs) I I remember getting, like, virgin daiquiris on vacations, like, when I was a a wee lad. So this is kind of bringing back, like, weird childhood memories for me. I don't think that was the intent. Yeah, that's weird. This is uh, bringing back weird childhood memories for me, too, but, you know, not for the same reason. Virgin, though. I guess uh, you had a softer childhood than I did. Yeah, apparently so, yeah. I don't know if, yeah, that that probably wouldn't have gone well. Here's a bottle, Aaron. Don't bother us till Tuesday. (laughs) <laughs> I had good parents. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's talk about this episode. Empathological fallacies. Uh, so in this episode, three Betazoid ambassadors who love to party come on board just in time for the crew to start losing control of their emotions. But in reality, it's Talyn's emotional instability that causes the crew's outbursts of passion. Meanwhile, Boimler gets a lesson from Shax on how to be a badass by showing him how to relax. Wait, wait, wait. We learned a lot about Shax in this episode. We did learn a lot. Of, well, you know, not really. I mean, like, nothing in this episode was out of character for Shax. Oh, no. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about your characterization of the plot. Like, three <laughs> Betazoid ambassadors come on board yeah. just in time for something to happen? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. We all thought this was a Luoxone and Troy's menopause episode, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Alien menopause yeah. where she was causing the <laughs> craziness. And, uh, you know, they threw us a bone. It wasn't... Uh, gosh, now I can't remember the name of that episode from DS9. Yes, it is. I have it here somewhere. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it, well, it turns out it wasn't that episode. It was no, Sarek. it was not. Yes. So you know, it wasn't. It wasn't the. Uh, well, actually, no. I guess I shouldn't shouldn't say this because you know, memories. It was, you know, what, actually, both of those episodes are pretty good episodes. I don't care what anybody yeah, says. Yeah, they're good. Like Luoxana's scene in the uh, broken turbo lift 
with yes. Odo. It's with Odo? Mm-hmm. that is like prime Star Trek, and it's so good. It is like, really good. yeah, you know what? Whatever, McMahon, you chose some good episodes, <laughs> and I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> You're supposed to riff on the bad episodes. <laughs> we, he's riffing on the random uh, telepathic projection here, obviously. <laughs> obviously. But yeah, wait, we're supposed to actually talk about the episode rather than just rambling yeah. incoherently. Well, we'll get there, yeah. All yes. these things we're going to talk about. Uh, but first off, this is the second episode directed by Megan Lloyd. Uh, she just did I Have No Bones and I Must Flee, the Moopsie episode. So, so like it, only the second episode of Lower Decks she's done. Is she new to Lower Decks as a whole or new to Star Trek as a whole? Or? At, at least directing. I think because sure. she worked on the show, right? But this is like I her... Think so. This is her first season directing. Exactly. Yeah. But we've had this discussion before. We have no idea what's involved in directing an animated yeah, show. We, we have zero. I, I doubt there's people standing in the animator's room saying, once more with feeling. <laughs> Probably not. You, you got to think the directing animated show is way different than directing anything live action. Yes. I, I feel like if you're standing in an animator's room telling them to reanimate with feeling, uh, <laughs> it would end with. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, death by paper cut, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or by digital paper cut. They're not. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's all digital. They're not. They're not. Yeah. Drawing on what is that, cellulose or whatever, or cellulite. Yeah. Or, I don't know what is it called. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that. We don't know anything about how animation works here on this show. We just we just watch the stuff. But yeah, her, her second episode. <laughs> One of the thing before we get into a lot of the details here, did you notice? And it's the same thing with I think last episode too. They are very careful to talk about their ranks as lieutenant junior grade, but in their, all of the rest of Star Trek, they don't really go to that much effort to like say lieutenant junior grade's log or whatever. They just kind of shorten it to lieutenant. It's kind of like sticking out to me. Did they though? Like I remember Talin being specific like that, right? Which makes sense. It's Boimler always says, like, oh, I'm a lieutenant junior grade now. I need to know about everything. That makes sense for Boimler, too. But, like... <laughs> That's true. I feel like yeah. Mariner and Rutherford would not care. I don't know about Talin... Or Talin, Mary said Talin. I don't know about Tendi, though. <laughs> Maybe... Mm. I, I, I don't know. I can see you're going both ways. Yeah. It's just something that's starting to stick out to me, is the amount of times they say lieutenant junior grade. It's like sensors, I guess. Once you hear it, yeah. you can't unhear it. <laughs> Thank you, Stavros. Yeah. You've cursed now me brain, now. Very broken, yeah. <laughs> now we're all going to pick up on junior, Lieutenant Junior Grade anytime it shows up. <laughs> but let's talk about the guest stars in this episode. The Betazoid Ladies. Interesting uh, guest star selection here. So there are three you know, women that show up on the ship in Kazarakis. So the first one is Wendy Malik. Uh, she's perhaps best known for her role on Just Shoot Me. The next one is uh, Rachel Dratch. She's probably best known for her role in SNL. She's the the Debbie Downer actress. She's done that. a lot of stuff. Like she, she shows up as bit characters sure. a lot. She's, she sure. tends to be unmistakable. There's a certain flamboyance to all of her performances that are just fantastic. Yeah, certainly. Um, and then the third one, uh, her name is Janelle James, and she's perhaps best known for her role on Abbott Elementary. So kind of an interesting smattering of guest stars that all kind of show up at the same time here. Well, I mean, they kind of have to get guest stars if they're, I mean, it's not like you're walking <laughs> down the street and say, hey, you there, you. homeless man, <laughs> have you ever thought about playing a Beta Z spy? <laughs> yeah! Good point. <laughs> 
Hey, he that guy sounds like a good voice actor. Let's get him in. <laughs> to, to be fair, Pull that guy out of the street. To be fair, if I was lying drunk on a curb and somebody said, "Hey, do you want to be a voice actor? We'll give you money," I'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> I say yes. Yeah. What do I got to do? Can I bring my uh, my drink in the paper bag with me? <laughs> <laughs> with my daiquiri, my daiquiri in the paper bag. I, I highly doubt the homeless people are drinking daiquiris in paper bags. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> you know, funny thing about these characters, we thought when we saw them show up in the trailer, we thought they were Hysperian, Billups' people, but they are not. They are Betazoid. I can see how we can yeah, confuse that. definitely, definitely. I, you know what, I kind of wanted to go through and like try and find all of the past appearances of Betazoids. Especially since these people felt like they were kind of, you know, grokking Luaxana Troy. Yeah, for sure. And just see, like, her outfits and compare them. But then I realized I'm not you. I don't care that much about what people are wearing. <laughs> Probably for the best, to be honest. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else about these these women? They So they get picked up from Angel 1. Um, yes. And if you forgot about Angel 1, that's from the next-gen episode called Angel 1. That's the yeah. the matriarchal society with the subservient men. You know, which is kind of kind of interesting because, like, yeah, they get picked up because the Betazoid society is matriarchal. They got picked that's up true. from a matriarchal society. Last uh, episode, we were on Orion, which is a matriarchal society. What's the message mm-hmm. they're trying to send to us? They got a little theme going on here. Yeah. I don't know what the message is. I don't know what the message is either. I'm worried it might be don't <laughs> trust women, which I didn't suspect McMahon of being an insult, but people wow. surprise you, I guess. <laughs> I feel like that's probably not the message. Yeah, I don't think that's what just they're going that for. Out there. <laughs> I think they're just like, here's some good episodes. Let's throw it together. Also, Angel Wood, to try and divert us from the dark path this conversation is going down. That's the, yes. Isn't that a fantastic Riker... Wrap around ridiculous. Yes, with the, with the nipple showing. Yeah, yeah totally it's got is. his, his yeah. Uh, chest hair showing. Yeah, the all-encompassing symbol of manhood from the eighties. <laughs> yeah, you know all the male characters now all have you know in the animation style at least all have pretty bare chests. You yeah. see Phillips's bare chest this episode. We well, see to Ransom be fair, all the time. Though, if you were animating people, would you not animate them with bare chests? It's just way <laughs> less effort. I don't know. All I want, I want to see a character in Lower Decks with the manly... It doesn't have to be, like, Robin Williams' level of hair, but... You Basically, know. you want somebody who is a werewolf like you. Sure, he can Mr. has to shave three times a day. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's what I want to see. Have the have the hair kind of picky peeking up out of the uniform or something, you know? It'll be fun. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I love that they show the uh, in the cups that they have are from Angel One, and yes. they've got the little logo, the little logo apparently on. from the Angel One. Although, yeah. I love the fact that it's the logo from Angel One, and there's a one slapped on them. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just Angel. fantastic. Yeah. That's like resort <laughs> trash right there. <laughs> All right, I've been fixated on a piece of minutia here, but on these cups that they have, I think they're called yard cups. Right? Those are what those are called. I think like so. You buy a yard drink. This is actually drink. interesting because, like, I was like trying to figure out what the hell these things were called. Right. In the episode, they t- say, hey, let's get some more whale bones. Whale bone, yeah. What is Which that? I tried Googling that and I could not find out what that was. So is that's that interesting. That? The internet can't seem to decide. And this oh. is where why the daiquiri might have been the wrong thing comes from. Some places, oh. it's a drink. It's a specific drink, which I can't remember oh. what was in it. 
because it sounded dumb. But the other, <laughs> that's the type of cup. It's a whalebone. And that makes sense. Uh, the whalebone cup, it's like a big bone. It makes sense. Right. It does. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't yeah. ask these kinds of questions. I just accept <laughs> my animated comedy show for what it is. <laughs> when the character says whalebone, you got to know what a whalebone is. That's I think that's let's 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 things. not uh, let's not go too deep in here. Whales have bones, and let's just accept that <laughs> at face value. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, if you recall, on the topic of the cups. So they, they give the cups to Talin and say, hey, we need some more. And then she brings the cups to sickbay. They say, sorry, we don't need those. So Talin maintains the cup and gives one to Dr. Tana. who then immediately <laughs> chugs it before going into surgery. <laughs> yeah, Dying. there's that. Uh, and then after that, they go down to the lounge. And then they have new whale cups. Whale cups. Like, where are they going? I feel like the replicators aren't, ha- aren't tall enough to support the... Like replicating a cup that size, you know. Maybe like replicators are like three D printers. If they need to do something <laughs> that has like a larger like area than it can fit in, it just yeah. slowly like spits just it out spits as it it's out. replicating it. <laughs> but you know, this goes back to my like replicators and teleporters are basically the same technology theoretically. Yeah. So maybe right. they just you know they teleport the drinks in. Mm. God, that sounds amazing. Can you imagine? Just I'd love to if they if they need like a tall cup and they're like oh crap the replicator can't do it hey uh lounge the transporter room i need you to transport me a a whalebone cup i can just imagine like resorts in star trek where you're just chilling by you know the pool or the beach and you're like oh i need a drink and then it just replicate or just it's teleports just, replicates yeah onto your end table you just pick it up and <laughs> i love chug it. it yeah wow i think we need to start world building a star trek uh you know Retreat on Ryzen, like how the to get all the details down about how the drinks work and stuff. That's a, that's a good use of our time, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not like I have anything better to do. I don't have bills to pay or anything. <laughs> no, Rent isn't due in a couple of days. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else about these these finally? Why, why are we still talking? Oh, oh, we're not talking about the cups anymore. We're moving on to something oh, yeah. else. Oh, do you have more about the cups? Because I love the cups. No, I was going to say get off the cups, man. Oh, okay, fine. We'll get off the cups. There's a whole episode here that is not I about know. cups. I know, I know. But about back to these uh, these fine Betazoid ladies here. I love that when they actually do turn out to be spies, they have like the crazy like James Bond level spy gear. Like the dresses like turn into they, they like pull away their dresses and, for athletic yeah. outfits, and <laughs> they got their shock rods that come out of the lipstick shock rods in the lipstick tubes. Ridiculous <laughs> and amazing. I like they just completely like <clears throat> like they just beat the hell out of the bridge crew. And the, but then the security team comes in and beats the hell out of them. I yeah. think there's three distinct levels of, of beat up <laughs> happening here. Yeah, and that bridge crew though looks like a bunch of like you know ensigns or you know junior officers. <laughs> yeah, like everybody, like everybody that's anybody is at the party, and the lower deckers yeah. are left on the bridge. <laughs> so easily talked out of you know phasering them by you know just just leaning into their little human insecurities about uh, oh. attraction. Yeah, I love, though, that the, the two people who get the jump on them, there actually are two competent officers who get the jump on them and are yeah. immediately derailed. But here's the best part. She does the whole I'm reading your mind thing. Did she yeah. actually read their mind or did she just assume? That's my question. <laughs> it was probably an obvious read. Is, is well, and, you know, if she did, it kind of ties into the later gag, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah. Speaking of how they read minds, 
So there, in, in you know, live-action Star Trek, the Betazoids kind of, the, the telepathy just kind of happens, right? But here, we get the kind it of uh, X-Men kind of, like, put the hand on the head and put the Well, they don't hand. always do that. Like, mo- the va- I feel like majority of the time, they do. No, because whenever they're talking to each other, right? Oh, then just, they don't. Yeah. One of the things I love about this, though, is this, like, the first time we've ever seen a Betazoid, or Betazoid, Zed? Beta Zood? Beta Z Beta Zoid from Beta Z. Yes, there we go. Gotta keep it straight there. Or <laughs> yeah, if you're racist, just call them Zoids. Zoids, yeah. Did that that, that come off like it as really a racial felt like slur? A racial you? slur you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Murder just kinda casually drops it. In in the pilot of TNG, Troy does this with Riker. And it's never brought up again. Do you remember that? What? She calls yeah. them Zoids? <laughs> <laughs> Troy's all like, oh, I'm fucking half Zoid. <laughs> no! The psychic what are you part saying? where she communicates oh. telepathically okay. with Riker in the pilot. <laughs> Remember the pilot? I thought Riker would be the racist one. Or Troy with your Zoid racial slurs and, <laughs> and she's the counselor. Like, I expect that from Miglimo, but Troy? <laughs> oh, God. But no, so yes, I don't, have we ever seen... What are we talking about here? We're talking, talking about telepathic... Te- telepathy. Right. Yes. They have say. we seen... Have we seen that type of telepathy? Where they just like talk to each other in their minds? I think so, yeah. the pilot yeah. of TNG? Yeah, they do that all the time, I think. Yeah, they I do don't it think so. Like, I don't remember Lon Suter doing that. Oh, uh, yeah, hmm. Maybe it's because of the Imzadi situation going on. That's why. Yeah, maybe like you gotta original. like if you want to talk telepathically to non-betazoids, you have to bang them first. <laughs> yeah, you get a point for that. Makes sense to me. Yeah, no. You, you no. share a little something, and then you can talk telepathically. Yeah, it's a zoid that, STD kind of a thing, like a telepathic. Anyway, we're, telepathy we're is an STD. This. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the last thing, so you know, the, the the whole Betazoid ladies when they take control of the ship, what the heck is with the path they're taking back to Beta Z? Like through yeah, the it goes neutral through zone. the Romulan the neutral hell? zone. I'm just assuming there's like some part that's like jagged of the Romulan Romulan neutral zone, and they yeah. just gotta cross through like a Romulan peninsula or something. That's the only. <laughs> Yeah, sense. I spent I spent way too long than I should have, like looking at established Star Trek star charts. None of it makes like, sense because they're maps. going to Beta Z, but Beta Z was like one of the worlds to fall to the Dominion during their inv- invasion. Right, but like, isn't like Cardassia and you know Tarak Noor and the Wormhole? They're on the other side of the yeah. Federation space from. The Cardassians. <laughs> Don't it make no, no sense. sense, man. Let's, yeah. let's... <laughs> obviously a plot a plot device. You know they they have yes. to to get some kind of timer going there. That's just how it goes. Not anyway, not. I loved the I loved the these characters. They were fun, super fun. Oh yeah, great characters. A yeah, plus. Don't really have a lot of Betazoids on Star Trek in general. I've always kind of wondered if like telepathy was more heavily used. You know how it would manifest and. Hey, having telepathic super spies, that makes sense. I mean, makes it. a whole lot of sense. Um, better than telepathic serial killers, that's for sure. <laughs> Ouch. I guess what I'm saying is I want McMahon to revisit Lon Suter. He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's pretty good. Oh, I can't believe you agree with me. I thought you were going to yeah. judge me for you know, no. liking a I mean, it's killer. a little weird, but it is an interesting character, so I would like to see more of that. A++. 
<laughs> Let's talk about how this episode is actually a Talin character episode. What do you think about this? Does this further improve your position on the Talin character? You know, I Talin continues to be a like you know she's not a one trick pony, but still like she has one. You said that several times. Right? So do you feel like she's less of a trick pony now? One trick. Yeah, pony? definitely. They've definitely expanded on the character, and the actress who plays her does a fantastic job. They don't just go wild and crazy like they did with um, Spock in Strange New Worlds, right? And I think that works really well here, whereas Spock being half-human makes it work in Strange New Worlds. Mm. But... Sense. Oh, okay. There's a there point. is no but. I don't actually have a but. I'm just trying to be a hater <laughs> here. <laughs> that makes you just have to acknowledge that you're the Talon fanboy now. I I, that's God, just the don't, don't say things like that. But yeah, definitely <laughs> a solid addition to the cast, and her character here is really good. <laughs> I do like there's there's tons of stuff about this plot though like and I'm gonna get all out of yeah. order that kind of like throws that's me. okay. Mm-hmm. So the explanation of what's happening on the ship is a callback to Sarek, right? Right. She's got uh, Bandai syndrome, is what it's called. Bandy syndrome. Yes, I'm gonna call it Bendy syndrome because I find that Bendy? funnier. <laughs> Bendy. So Bendy. isn't that what killed? That's what killed Sarek, right? Yes. And it was a big deal. Like, it was hard to diagnose. So, like, mm-hmm. and it was almost mythological in that episode. Yeah. But now it's more recognizable, apparently. But here they can just scan you and say, oh, yeah, you totally got that syndrome. You got to think, like, if it's that rare, maybe Sarek is the only recent case. Look, look, if you're going to make look. it really make sense, like, I guess they, Sarek could have legitimized it and has caused some advancements in Vulcan medicine. I didn't bring this up to raise a question. I brought it up because I have an answer that makes me seem oh. smart and aware. Okay. Get okay, on board here, Stavros. I'm ready. So that was my first thought. Well, you know, Sarek legitimized it. He was a right. big figure and they realized it was a problem. And so they started doing studies. And now it's what, 10 years since that episode or since Sarek died anyways. Because right. he died in the mm-hmm. later seasons, not in Sarek. Right. So maybe, like, they studied it more, and they learned a lot, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it turns out this is actually fairly common, and it's like dementia, where you can see early symptoms a long time before it actually manifests. Right. But I actually think that's wrong, too. Oh. I don't think it's Bendy syndrome. Oh. Bendy. What is it? Bendy, Bendy, Bendy. Bendy. I think... It's something else because they never say, or Talin, anyways, and even Mariner doesn't even reference it. She just references that, you know, if it's Bendy syndrome, then that just makes Talin like super Vulcan, way more Vulcan. Right. But Talin says there's a whole host of conditions that can cause this. It's probably something else, mm-hmm. something entirely treatable that would have been noticed on her own ship. It doesn't have to be Bendy Syndrome is what I'm saying. Because they never specifically say, yeah, it's definitely Bendy Syndrome. And, you know, 62-year-old Talin, which is what, the equivalent of like 25, 30-year-old human? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah, is is having, you know, early onset dementia. Which is a thing. Mm. I'm not saying it isn't. But I feel like Vulcan society would have a way of noticing this. So, but it's not Bendy Syndrome. Hmm. Yeah, they don't explicitly say it is. Maybe it's. It seems like it's similar to that. 
Because uh, I don't think Sarek really projects his emotions that strongly to everyone. Because he's supposed to be a very strong telepath, I think, Doesn't too, he right? cause so. a uh, bar fight in his episode, right? And Sarek? He does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that does happen in, in Next Gen. So that's yeah. true. It does happen. But, like, you know, Talyn's doing it to the whole ship. Holy cow, right? I just she's had the other thought. Side of the well, yeah. only the people she interacted with, though, remember? Because the security people were unaffected. They're but here's the real the thought. Show. The Enterprise, Sarek caused everybody to go nuts. Like, a bar fight broke out, people got angry, right. there was violence. But freaking the Cerritos, everybody's just like, Woo! We're all happy! Everything's wonderful! <laughs> what is going on on the Enterprise that they're all so filled with repressed anger? All that means is people on the Enterprise are the most similar to Miglimo. <laughs> Fucking Miglimo. Can we talk about that scene? Is it time yeah, to talk about that yeah. scene? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you don't like how he's just not having a good time with the replicator? I love it. It's a great scene, and I love the fact that like he's trying to get replicated soup that tastes regurgitated. Oh, disgusting. Uh, disgusting, but, you know, it, oh, it makes sense. But here's the real question about that scene. Not that scene, because it escalates later, right? When he gets tagged right. with the ransom. Why did he have a phaser? Like, who gave Miglio a phaser? Miglio. Miglio. <laughs> this has happened multiple times in Lower Decks at this point, where, like, people just have a phaser on them somehow, and it's, like, hidden in some kind of pocket that we don't see. They just drop. I feel like Miglio is just that bad of a therapist that that's <laughs> he his... to be defensive. <laughs> oh, shit, this session is going wrong. Phaser them and leave. And then right. say, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? If if the response to um, every, what ha- to the Sarek disease to Bendy syndrome is any example, apparently Miglimo is the best goddamn therapist in the fleet. Fucking these people have <laughs> no emotional issues. It's only Miglimo. So apparently, I'm no I'm I'm no longer a Talin hater, and I'm a Miglimo fanboy now. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Stavros. It's a lot of change happening there. I'm not sure if I could take it. <laughs> Let's talk. So before we get back to Talyn, because I do want to talk more about her, but I mean, since we're on the topic of people getting affected by this possible Bendy syndrome, I mean, uh, what are some funny stuff we saw here? There's a lot of Ransom getting upset about getting shot down. How do you so, feel about that being a Ransom? Uh, you know what? Ransom's story is fantastic in this episode. So he gets shot down initially, and he's kind of dejecting. He's like, oh, you know, I've yeah. been working hard. I'm, I'm attracted to what's wrong with you. But right. then I love the fact, though, that when it comes to, like, women, Ransom is just completely, like, normally he's all Mr. I'm in charge and I'm commanding. But the minute he gets around women, he immediately becomes just a total simp. So he's all, <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> I can be withholding. But um, <laughs> so he's all upset about that. And then later, it's him and Stevens, his bro. Yeah. And... I love Stevens comforting Ransom after his rejection. <laughs> like, how Good guy Stevens. He's got to be there for his best day. friend. So, yeah, I love it. It is so fantastic. <laughs> and then it ends with him like crying under a table. Yeah. Oh, so hilarious. <laughs> so but you good. know, in between those scenes, you see him just being a normal human being, having a good time. Yeah. Talk about ups and downs. The dude needs to even himself out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Man, this really uh, this effect really highlights uh, both uh, Rutherford and Tendy's uh, weaknesses. Where Rutherford just wants to have a good time; he's having too good of a time, and Tendy just really wants, <laughs> having a good of a time as well, but just wants people to like her. It's uh, leading gets a little to the, bit out of control uh, there. You know, I think this is my new favorite quote of the series. 
<laughs> what is it? Oh gosh, where is it? It's where she's all like, you know, Talyn has revealed, or Mariner's revealed what's going on, and you know they yeah. wind up running away because Talyn. <laughs> Tendy was all like, "You're my best friend," and Talyn's like, "No, we're not." And Rutherford's all like, "Stop being mean to Tendy," and they go chasing her, and, and that Tendi causes them to out. chase them. Yeah, but Tendy yelling out. Grab her and make her be my friend is so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my good. god. I think between that and this crew is always weird at yelling. Are <laughs> possibly the top lines of this episode slash the top lines of the show so far. Oh my god. Well, there's there's other good episodes too. I just this this yeah. episode is is pretty funny from beginning to end. <laughs> uh, well, we see some other people getting affected by the uh, emotional transference. Let's see. We've got Big Merp. Uh, we're going to talk more about Merps in a little bit here, but he's got he's uh, decided to pick up the headset from the next gen episode, of the game, which we've seen earlier in the show. Uh, he's just using that, just hanging out with other people, just uh, just playing that game and getting addicted to it. I assume. Yeah, and I mean we've seen this headset before, you know. So yeah, I think we had like hypothesized that they had to have figured out how to remove yeah. the addiction aspect of it. <laughs> but that's what he chooses to do when he's uh, affected by the <laughs> extra emotions. You know, Tulin. sometimes we have emotional uh, attachments to video games and entertainment that is unrelated to the value of that entertainment itself. <laughs> that's true. Can't argue with that. There is a shot at the uh, in the lounge when Talyn has finally turned off her emotional turmoil. <laughs> Have you seen this scene? There's a character juggling some fruit, but also a phaser in there with the fruit. Seems super dangerous to me. Yeah, it really does. It seems like a bad time. And then Jen and another character are fighting with bananas while standing on the bar. thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, just the background stuff is fantastic. Like, the things yeah. I really picked up on in that, there's a lot of things. One of my favorites, though, is the chip-eating guy. Oh, yeah, they got some like, the nachos, right? Well, and I don't know if he's actually before. eating chips because he's far enough back in the scene, but he's just, like, yeah. shoveling something into his mouth. Right. <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> he shows up, like, as soon as shit goes down, right? As soon as everybody starts getting wacky. Right. And then in the last scene, he shows up again, and he's still shoveling food in his mouth. <laughs> Does that mean, like, this entire episode, he's just been there shoveling food in his mouth? <laughs> Like what I think is that's that how he about? handles the extra the extra emotion. He he just gets involved, and he just shovels food. You know, what? actually, that totally makes sense. He's an emotional leader. Yeah, that that is one hundred percent reasonable. <laughs> Did you see in the background of one of these shots that there are? I think it's a Sleepy Merp and uh, the the Starfleet character in the hijab. They're playing some kind of like galaxy class board game, which immediately made me think of the VCR board game from the nineties. I Did honestly. You see this? Yeah, I... Oh, boy. This is giving me the hiccups. <laughs> the daiquiri hiccups. Daiquiri hiccups. Apparently, that's the thing. <laughs> I I don't know what that's from, man. You're, yeah. you're convinced it's the VCR game, but the only VCR game I remember is the Klingon game, you know? Yeah, yeah, the Klingon, where it's like a map of the Enterprise-Z. It's not one-to-one, but it seems like it could be inspired by that. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I just... I guess, yeah. I mean, that's... It could be. You never know. Um, and maybe it's just a whole other game. Who knows? Yeah. We don't know. It's just kind of a cute detail. Anyway, let's go back to Talyn and talk more about Talyn. So the whole thing that kind of kicks this thing off is she's making a log entry to her to the uh, her old commanding officer on the Cheval. 
First thing about that, did you notice that she gives the prefix for the Vulcan ship there? Yeah. It's BCF. Have you heard that before? Yes, but I don't know if it's been canon before. Mm-hmm. Because that was, I think, the prefix in to Enterprise ships, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Vulcan Enterprise ships, right. not, right, right. obviously, other ships from Enterprise. I think yeah. that might be, like, and I don't know. I don't know if we've ever seen it on screen before or not. And honestly, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care that much. <laughs> it's interesting detail. We've seen yeah. BSS and NSS before, but never BCF. Let's see, what else? Uh, we get a look at Tulum's quarters. She gets her own, by the way. She doesn't have to have a roommate. What is the deal with Vulcans living in dark quarters? <laughs> I don't know. Great question. You see over her bed, she's got a like a photo of the surface of Vulcan. With those like weird, creepy statues that are holding Lurpus. You know, whatever, dude. Those statues are awesome. I always loved <laughs> in... Uh, you know, it, it's really the Enterprise Vulcan scenes that I always loved. Mm. Um, just, you know, not the portrayal of like Vulcan as this like blasted landscape world. And then you learn that they nearly wiped themselves out before they embraced logic. I just, I always thought right. that was like fantastic. It was good imagery, supporting good storytelling. I just... yeah. It is nice. Yeah, stop being a hater. <laughs> I guess it makes sense that if she's kind of pining for her old life that she would put a picture of something that reminds her of her home world there. Makes sense. Yeah, could be. Um, I love when Mariner pokes her head in and it says, hey, you know, we got this party with the Betazoids. There's a chocolate fountain. And I didn't know this. I'm, not, I'm curious to know if you've heard about this. But apparently it's like a deep cut. Like this, it's kind of fandom generated fact that Vulcans, when they eat chocolate, they get inebriated. Did you know about this? I have never heard this before. It's like where a fanfic. Or, yeah, it's like kind of like a weird internet lore thing where no one quite knows where it's, it's come, it uh, comes from. But everyone kind of knows that if you if you get Vulcans eating chocolate, they, they get messed up. And that's why she kind of says, like, hey, if you want to like get spicy, you can eat some chocolate. I was unfamiliar with this. This is brand new yeah. to me. <laughs> It's definitely weird. I just happened to catch some people talking about it online, and I'm like, wow, really? And sure enough, that's a, that's kind of a thing. It's like semi-canonized now. Well, I mean, you know. definitely not semi-canonized. I mean, because that was in response to, I know you don't drink, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, that's like saying, you know, you say to somebody, hey, I know you're not an alcoholic, so, you know, here's a Coke, and then saying, that person gets drunk off of Coke. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, well, now you know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so this whole thing with her trying to get into in touch with her old CO is what starts this whole thing kind of going off the rails. So by the time the climax is coming about, where Mariner Tolin are getting, uh, you know, are running away from Tendi and Rutherford and all the rest of those guys, um, they run and lock themselves in in a uniform closet. And by the way, why are there uniform closets? Like, <laughs> I know, like if all the lower next guys have their own they little things. Their clothes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's in the? It's a huge room, too. By the way, maybe like, it's not like a, maybe it's not like a closet full of like clothing uniforms. Maybe it's like uniform as in standard, as in this is a standard closet. <laughs> Is that what you, is that, what that means? There's no judgment on what goes in there. It's just this is how closets are on this spaceship. 
Uh, it was neat. Uh, a cool little detail is when they run into the closet and Mariner smashes the control panel. It actually says uniform closet on there. And you, I, I feel like they added in that label just so you know where they are. I feel like there was a writer that was like, okay, so they're running away from Tendy and Rutherford and all those guys and they run and hide in the closet. And then the, you know, background artist is like, shit, how do I make up? How do I tell that they're in a closet? What does a Star Trek closet look like? I know, I'm going to put it on a panel. I think you're reading too much into this. I think this is just a callback to random labels in Star Trek throughout its history. (laughs) It very well could be. And Mariner had to have something to smash, so. Yeah, if we're going to talk about the closet scene, though. Of course. Can we we talk about, I love the mind-melding bit. Yes. Where Mariner's all like, are you mind-melding with me? Like, there is something (laughs) very, like sexual about the way she says it right uh, it's not are you mind melding with me it's are you coming on to me right <laughs> really I did not get that I, I kind of read oh, it as man. relief you know I thought and, it was and more of a relief thing that's what I thought well you know and that's definitely what they were going for maybe but mm. you know I don't know that's what they were going for I'm assuming that's not what they're going for because then it just sent my mind racing back to like the whole enterprise thing where right. like they use the whole mind melding as a metaphor for you know sexually transmitted disease and acceptance yeah, yeah. of you know um, LGBT community and very mm-hmm. very forward thinking at the time. Yeah, for sure. But like, it's just as interesting that like that was kind of my takeaway from that scene was it was yeah. a callback to those scenes in Enterprise. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting take. I, I it made me think of uh, I, I I may have mentioned like a few months ago I was I got really bad pink eye because I have a toddler and get pink eye sometimes and I had to go to the hospital and wait in a waiting room for like a couple hours for somebody to see me and they finally wait, gave me wait wait wait, wait stop I know where this is oh. going as a follow up yeah. from what I just discussed okay. I've seen this porno I don't need to tell you how you lived it <laughs> it is not a porno. <laughs> Anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> they finally gave me some painkilling eye drops. And like the relief I felt after suffering for a couple hours was I felt I saw that in Mariner's face when she got the relief from the crazy emotionalness from Talyn. So that is where I'm saying that that uh, is probably coming from. That's what it came off to me as. Okay. Anyway. We've gone from uh, STDs to pink eye. <laughs> By the way, kids, if you're getting pink eye as an STD, you're doing it wrong. I think, yes, that's probably correct. <laughs> you don't want to cross those streams. Oh, my God. What are we moving on to next? Are we still <laughs> on the whole Talin? Yeah, the Talin thing. So, you know, as as that thing gets resolved, of course, <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, it's a problem you can't roundhouse kick because, you know, it's true. You know what? Oh, man. It's a great line. Love it. <laughs> it's very Mariner. But yeah, I mean, let's... And Talyn finally has uh, her character moment. That's what makes this episode a character episode, where she is feeling like she's too emotional um, because, you know, she has this, you know, issue, where, whether it's Bendy syndrome or not, uh, where her emotions are getting uh, transmitted out. And Mariner helps her have, the, has this, uh, have this realization where if Vulcans get this and Sarek is the most vulcan Vulcan that there is, then... She too is Vulcan as a motherfucker. And I thought that was a great, you know, kind of resolution to the problems of the episode. Yeah, no, it was definitely a, uh, well, the thing is, though, like, if the only thing that you can do to make people feel better about themselves is give them a yardstick to measure against others, mm. 
you're kind of devaluing their self-worth. Mm. Maybe. I can see that being a thing. And maybe I've had too many daiquiris. God damn it, Stavros. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, you got to do what you, you got to do to, to, you know, get her out of this situation. And I, by comparing yourself to a good role model, I, I, I think there could be some value there. I think that's that a great message. Vulcan, then, when, you know. when you're friends in a funk, you do what you got to do. That's right. I've they are certainly tattoo. best friends. <laughs> you know, I think there's going to be, after this episode, there's going to be a lot of Mariner to Lynn shipping. After? Jesus, I feel like it started <laughs> before. But yeah, this is definitely going to turn that up to 11. Indeed. Anyway, should we go on to the Boimler plot? Or is there anything else that we're missing about the rest of it? You know what? Uh, well, I don't know. There's a bunch of little like side snippets here, though, that we should probably talk yeah. about. Sure. Yeah, which one's caught your eye? So we didn't really talk about Freeman too much. And mm. the fact that she's actually behaving like a rational captain. And she's, you know, not... Uh, she's clearly in a devoted marriage and loves her husband. And yeah, she holds it together surprisingly yeah. well, considering it's... And her pushback <laughs> against a lot of the shenanigans is, I'm happily married. Yeah. And then that leads her to realize something is wrong because people are doing things they wouldn't normally do. And really right. good. And then, like, when, you know, Mariner and the captain meet up later and the captain doesn't want to believe that the uh, Zoids are doing anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a great zones. mother-daughter moment. It's very <laughs> hilarious. You know, it just... Yeah. Uh, Freeman does great all throughout this episode, which is yeah. very uncharacteristic. I know. It's probably one of the top Freeman episodes of but the show. But, you know, maybe that's the message uh, for oh. Freeman. She needs to embrace her emotions. Oh, yeah. That could be yeah. it. Yeah, she should talk to Talyn. She could learn it. <laughs> Maybe they'll become the next ship. They'll they'll become best buds next, and uh, the internet will take off with that. That would be hilarious because like she's slowly working through the warp core four, right? So is all she needs yeah. is a uh, Rutherford episode. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. But like maybe once that gets done, she starts working on the senior officers. We get a uh, I want a ransom into Lynn episode. That would be Ooh. amazing. Yeah, I cannot wait to see Talyn shut down Ransom. That's that's got to be fun. <laughs> okay. Any other pieces we're missing? You know, we're missing lots of pieces, but, you know, oh. I'm too deep into my cup to remember what they are. So let's Fair move enough. on to uh, yeah. Boimler's story. Yeah, let's do that. So this is this whole part of the story is about Boimler and how he needs to relax. I love how this starts off. He's trying to remember all the, or memorize, I should say, all of the names of all the crew members. And we get kind of more canon names for all the merps. Sleepy merp. What the Sleepy merp. Sleepy merp. So is that the real names? Because I feel like the computer wouldn't take like a nickname as you know, valid. You know, it's probably like a translation and like the name (laughs) means you know, no, that can't be right though because we've seen the computer doesn't always translate words that have you know, cultural meaning, right? Like how some words in Klingon aren't translated. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like, is their name actually Merp, Big Merp, and Sleepy Merp then? Like Ensign Merp and Ensign Sleepy Merp? I have no idea, dude. That's just their name. Don't ask me. I think that's what it is. I love that we got that info. So now we we know what their names are. It's good. Names for background characters. I mean, if you say so. Uh, And then Rutherford, of course, prefers Boimler to the program. And then we figure out what that is later. And that's Shax's very holistic approach to security or at least, you know, one part of 
the larger hole. I love that Shax is like he's got this super like dark background that he was like yeah. a Bajoran freedom fighter. <laughs> yeah. But he's like this Mr. like super supportive, you know, does pottery and artwork and enjoys poetry kind of yeah. guy. Yeah. I love it. I love it that they give him that dimension. It's great. It feels really good. Oh, so good. So good. So interesting thing, when Shax takes Boimler to the security I don't know what you call it. Get together the little the little party. Uh, they go to like some kind of different yeah, area. Yeah, have ship. we seen this part of the ship yeah. before? I don't think so. It, it definitely has a distinctive look. Yeah, I, I was really wondering like if maybe the, it's uh, somewhere random, like on a like on one of the struts, maybe or on I the pod. I can't imagine maybe. it's on the struts. I bet you it's some like you know the lower decks are lower deckers, but like this is probably some like industrial area where mm. you know it's not really like. You normally used, but there's space there. Right. Yeah, because I mean, like, we've established, and I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, where, like, all the Star Trek ships have super tiny crew counts for the size of the vessel. Right. So there's always (laughs) got to be be just, like, yeah, I mean, like, Discovery's, like, pod moving through a empty warehouse. (laughs) Not unreasonable for... Unreasonable... For the size of ships that are portrayed. For sure. I want to know where it is, though, because it does have a very distinctive look to it. it was cool. Yeah. And it's like it looks like it's not set up for anything. It's just a big empty room, yeah. right? With, yeah, yeah. With folding oh. chairs in it. Well, the, the yeah, folding chairs. Is this, is this canonized folding chairs now, by the way? Have we seen I don't think folding chairs will ever stop being a thing. As long as there are people to put out folding chairs, there will as be. Long, well, I mean, as long as there's children who need something to do while the parents <laughs> actually prepare. That makes sense. <laughs> I love how Boimler is really excited to learn Tsukatsi, which is from that Voyager episode with the rock. Like he thinks that's what they're gonna do in this room. But uh nope, it's folding chairs at charades. Yeah, totally didn't like I didn't pick up on that's what they were doing. I on assume Tsukatsi, he said yeah. <laughs> he at some point. It, yeah. Yeah, they're right about to go in. He's really excited about it. Somehow was distracted, I guess. <laughs> By the corridor. Art. I was too enamored uh, with the set piece. I know. <laughs> Speaking of set pieces, though, and random props in the show, Shax's tarot cards. Let's talk about those. Um, you really got to freeze frame it here, oh, but yeah. you know he, he says the invasion line, but all there's all these different cards, and they've got to be like a Bajoran variant on tarot cards because they've all got Bajoran cultural things on them. I am betting that it's one of those translation things, right? A tarot card mm-hmm. is basically the same thing as whatever these like. I don't know. I don't even know what would be the equivalent of tarot and Bajoran. Pa, cards. <laughs> now we know that, that there are literally <laughs> literally just tarot cards. <laughs> yeah, and I love that scene. Oh my god, and there's so much to <laughs> unpack so there. Are we gonna yeah. are we gonna actually talk yeah, about let's, the let's cards go into some themselves? Details. Let's talk about the cards first. Uh, there are a number of them. Um, there's one that says emissary, and it has uh, what looks like Cisco and a Vedic outfit there yeah you know Uh, i find it interesting that that's how they would portray cisco yeah but that now raises a lot of questions me thinking about that i wonder what Shax thinks about cisco right Mm. did he join up with the federation because of cisco does he Mm. like because we know that not all bajorans recognize cisco as the emissary has that changed post Mm. ds9 i just i have so many questions yeah, you gotta think that he uses these cards, so he's gotta buy into it at least to some degree. Not necessarily. It could be just one of those things where he's all like, and this is a shit <laughs> I hate deck. This card. 
<laughs> chose the emissary as a human, and that's wrong. The emissary hasn't come back yet. Or the emissary, he was in a sailing ship, and he flew back into the celestial yeah. temple because we weren't ready. Very well could be. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of other ones. There's the celestial temple. The, it says celestial temple. It's a picture of the wormhole. That makes sense. There is uh, one that says orbs, where it shows the number of yeah, celestial temple I, orbs. So I caught up on, I caught the stuff on like the top and the right, but I didn't actually yeah. catch that. That those are actually yeah. the orbs from yeah. you know early DS9 um, when they're still in like the the cases and right. Jed Zia opens it in the premiere. That is the shape that they are in. Yeah, yep, yeah, totally. definitely. That one shows up there. There's one called Derna, and if you didn't uh, don't remember DS9, that's one of Bajor's moons. Is Derna? Of course, I have a complete cartological memory of DS9 in my head. <laughs> uh, that's what every I moon, every world, yeah. every star, yeah. every ass. No, none of that bullshit. So well, do you remember Derna? I don't remember Derna. Was Derna the one with the uh, dissidents who didn't want to leave? There was, I can't remember if it's that or the one where uh, the Romulans wanted to set up. Oh, yes. It is oh, the one where the Romulans wanted up, to set yeah, up. Yeah, the, the base. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Quick, so let's do a DS9 gonna... rewatch. What are you yeah. doing for the next seven? Let's make days? it happen. We'll just watch that. We'll just uh, we'll just quit our jobs and we'll just watch DS9 again. How does that sound? Well, I have to pay rent, so I'm not sure that's going to work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm so we're we're, we're what uh, four cards down, two to go. Yes, we got two to go. Uh, the next one is invasion, which they he mentions, and this one was confusing for me a little bit. Um, you can see a dude holding a sword. And there's, like, another yes. pair of legs, like he's facing down someone. And you had a pitch. Yeah, I feel like those are Cardassian boots. The oh, colors okay. are right, and the shape is right. So that makes sense for invasion. The Cardassians yeah. invaded. The real question, though, is those are very human-like swords. So, obviously, yes. why? But were they yeah, still were using, using swords <laughs> when the Cardassians invaded? Like, they had built spaceships at that point. Like, they had to be at least at our level of technology. Yeah. I don't know. None of it makes sense. It does not Unless make it's sense. stylized, because, I mean, there's a sword in the emissary pick, so, you know, go figure. Yeah, that's true. But the last card, it is the Borya, uh, which yes. uh, we had to look this up. Uh, it's Bajoran for your kind of spirit or kind of ghost. Yes, uh, and your, your pa is the life force. So that was yeah, our completely different. point of contention. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> but whatever. But I <laughs> think the Borea, the Borea is totally a TNG thing. And I feel like mm. they did a lot of, I don't even know, like sidetracking and, you know, retconning in DS9 from what was presented in TNG. Right. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's from the, the early Bajoran introduction in next yes. gen. You're right. But yeah, those are all the tarot cards. It was exciting to see, <laughs> to kind of decipher them. I think some of them are upside down, too, so you got to kind of twist your head to look at these things. But Or, you know, you props. can just put them into an image editor and flip them. That's I mean, that's a lot of work. Is that modern you technology, Stavros, you effing lud. I just pause it and twist my head like a simpleton. As long as you're not picking up your monitor and turning it upside down, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not doing that. I'll leave that to uh, to Gen X and above. Anyway, uh, so that's it for the tarot cards. They have all kinds of other goofy stuff in here. Uh, did you like the security officer read puzzle? I loved the security officer puzzles in general. So, because 
here's my question they, they they have the puzzle in the box that he presents is yes. that supposed to be read or is that i think so i think so okay yeah if you pause it at the right moment then it, i think it does i just i can't tell look. without his arm being perfectly straight holding a phaser yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be able to unsee that. I don't know if so any viewers, you can tell us if we're crazy, but ever since we started rewatching Enterprise, Reed's got the, the phase pistol stiff arm. He stiff arms every time he's holding it. I can't unsee it now. It's yeah, just... it's like it's sensors, but for arms. <laughs> I feel like Lower Ducks has really broken some things here. We're, we're paying attention to all kinds of NA details. <laughs> yeah, it's anyway. definitely broken our brains. That is for <laughs> truth. Oh my god, that is for truth? What the f is that? Jesus. For truth? Yeah. That's how people talk. That is not how people talk, Stavros. It's close enough. Oh man, but moving on on this storyline. Yes, let's see. So Zoboimo's so kind of getting stuck up, uh, stuck in all these uh, kind of team building kind of relaxation, you know, activities with the security team. Uh, but then, of course, the red alert sounds when Freeman sounds it on the bridge. So the best part is, though, is before that, there's a couple of really good scenes. Okay. The first is when Shax makes some comment about what they do in security. And Poimler says, it seems like there's nothing to being on a security team. Where's the toughness? And, you know, so on and so on. And the dude with the mustache in the background, he looks just so hurt when Poimler says that. They got crushed, yeah. Oh, it was so sad. Poimler, uh, yeah. don't run your mouth. Yeah, I love the close-up look at all these security guys. That's, and then, of uh, course, the red alert sounds. Yeah. And uh, who the, has the best run out of all of them? I think it's clear that it's Kayshawn. I mean... <laughs> He's got the Naruto run. Kayshawn, he does the little chest, chest first run. Speaks in memes and now apparently runs in memes. <laughs> I wonder if he like watched some Naruto and he's like, Kayshawn, his eyes open. I Running mean, maybe, like Naruto. <laughs> Tamarians. No, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Naruto, <laughs> as he runs. No. Maybe Naruto, fast as the wind. He's an alien. Maybe that's how their running works. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Actually, no, speaking of the running animation, so I feel like most of the other characters have, like, they drew, like, a run animation and they use that. But now we've got Kayshawn's Naruto run, and then Talin. Did you notice when Talin runs in this episode, it looks different than the other characters? She does, like, the full finger extension run. Like, she doesn't ball her fist when she runs. She kind of does, really? like, the... She does the Tom Cruise run? Yeah. How did I not notice this? When does she yeah. run in this episode? Oh, uh, when when they're it? running away from the uh, other crew members. Yes, 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 yes. That's yes. it. Yeah, when they go to hide in the closet. So now you know you got the two oh two God. characters on the Cerritos that have unique runs for for whatever that. Oh, well, you know, mimic runs, anyways. That's right. Uh, so my my, my one of my favorite things about the security officer stuff is you know when they pull out all the phasers and Boy moves like phasers, big phasers, big phasers. <laughs> oh, so good. And then they I have them when they that. apprehend Tana. But then when they show up on the bridge, they just, I guess, just decide they don't need them. And then they they end up not needing them at all. They just show up and just punch people to until they're knocked out, apparently. Well, I mean, it's it's one thing, like, to have them, you know, like, use their fists instead of the phasers. But, like, they don't even have the phasers at all. No. They just drop, <laughs> they just drop them off downstairs. They're like, we got Tana. Okay, guys, let's put these away. And uh, time well, to take yeah. the bridge. You can't have the badass, uh, you know, 
kung fu scenes without them, you know, getting rid of the phasers. They just walk <laughs> onto the bridge and phaser everybody. And we're like, well, that's done. There's never going to be a wow. You guys are awesome from Boimler. Yeah, they they clearly had to pull off some kind of like security is awesome thing, and it's one of the only times where uh, Shaq's security detail is shown to be pretty competent. I enjoyed that. Well, you know, have we ever seen them to be incompetent? They're just kind of ineffective. They just kind of get bonked. And, but that's uh, like a that's a TNG or not a TNG. That's like a Star Trek meme, right? Yeah, <laughs> like security is worthless. Yeah. Like I think even in the last episode, Shax gets, like, thrown off, uh, what is it? Some kind of, like, larger alien throws Shax across the room, and, you know, he's instantly defeated. So, this is something that happens to Shax a lot, and I'm just, I mean, it's obviously to show Boimler that, you know what, it's, uh, security isn't all about kicking ass. Which, I love that. I love Shax's speech about they protect yeah. the crew, you know, yeah. not just from, you know, physical threats, but emotional ones, too. Yeah. Security, man. Better yeah. therapist than Miggly Mom. <laughs> and Buenla learns something, even though he's not security. I like when the red alert sounds, and he's like, oh shit, I guess I better go with the security team to do something. <laughs> like, what's his job when the, when the red alert sounds? He just doesn't, he can just do whatever he wants, I guess. Well, I mean, they probably have battle stations. I don't know where his is. His is to follow security around, apparently. Maybe they, he felt like he could uh, lend his services as a command officer. He could help them you out. Know, that bit. just hit me, though, because Freeman activated the red alert, right? Did they ever, yeah. like, was there ever an announcement that the ship had been taken over? No, like, we just went to red alert. The security guys just assumed, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's the map where there's a convenient map in the hallway where one of the security guys is like, "Oh no, look, we're heading towards the Romulan neutral zone," and they're like, and then from there they're like, "Oh, okay, so they're like, let's yeah, take the I gotta get to the bridge." Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. <sighs> <sighs> but yeah, Boyman learns something, even though it's not his job. But you know what? He, he's in command. He needs to know about how the, all these other departments operate. So I was on board for that part. Yes, yeah. you know, I did actually have one more note about this story yeah. arc that I forgot. Poor Shax and his exasperated sigh when he's trying to help Boimler and Boimler yeah. just being all combative. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I mean, just his his frustration is palpable in that scene. <laughs> he's exercising so his well patience. Done. Yeah. Yes. When Boimler, like, jumps on him, he's like, I got you! And he's like, yes, you yes, got you me. Do. Oh, my God, so he good. He passed the test. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else is uh, looking at him like he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, speaking of the the Romulan neutral zone, though, the bit with the Romulan ship just like having nothing better to do than just yes, park on the other side of the lurk. neutral zone, <laughs> waiting for a ship. We'll to cross lurk over. over there. I love the mustache twirling Romulans. <laughs> There's multiple instances of mustache twirling for the Romulans this season. I'm really intrigued to see what happens when they actually do like Romulan episodes, like mm. how they're going to portray them. I really yeah. hope it's like the majority of the Romulans are like those mustache twirling villains. And then there's like a small number of crew members who are just exasperated with their behavior. Where they're like, they're so overworked because the rest another of the Romulans yeah. are like, yeah, they're like, oh God, yeah, exactly. Another scheme. <sighs> there we go again with so-and-so trying to assassinate so-and-so. Yes. Amazing. Make it happen. <laughs> oh boy. Well, the only other thing I wanted to mention was that at the end of the show, we get the only tie-in with the meta plot of the season, this mysterious ship. 
um, a very small a bit. I mean, this whole episode is clearly designed as a one-off, like an adventure yeah. type thing, and they kind of squeak in the little, uh, you know, the little meta detail. Plot detail yeah it'll be interesting to see like are they going to kick that plot into high gear next episode or are they gonna save it for the finale yeah it's because last season the whole texas class thing took the last two episodes i think uh with some hints being dropped along the way so yeah i don't know guess we'll see yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens although i do want to say so like sidetracking from the meta arc of the season that we really didn't gain much for for this episode yeah when they're approaching the Romulan neutral zone, did you notice anything interesting? Uh, what? There were red blinking lights in space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> demarcating the neutral zone. And like, oh, man, I, I died. Like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow, what the hell? And I'm like, oh. It's like know, light years worth of... <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Lights. So those those lights are like, what, a kilometer to apart? How wide is the Cerritos? And is it a distance? So it's probably, you know, a few kilometers apart. And yeah. then, you know... How like, how far away Robin, do you yeah. even see one of those? Well, and then, like, the Romulan <laughs> neutral zone is how many meters? I mean, God, yeah. I mean, that's an... Ins- they're not meters, but light years. Like, and how many meters are in a light year? Like, oh, God, that's got to be, like, five lights. <laughs> and, and like once you're like more than like a couple kilometers away you probably can't even see them anymore so how effective are these blinking lights <laughs> gotta be not very makes no sense and i love it uh it's convenient though it works for the narrative well and i That's mean fine. it really does support the comedy of the show so i'm yeah. gonna give it an a plus i love that scene it was really good well, I think we've covered pretty much everything. What this is, we're at the halfway point of oh, the no. season. Oh no, 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 we haven't covered everything. Oh. oh no, what did we miss? I think we missed the fridge horror cannon moment. Oh, is this? You know uh, what I'm talking about? I think so. It's, it's about eating other sentients. Hunted <laughs> and ate betazoids. What did they like? Did Cations come from Betazoid? Is there a canon thing that I don't know here? I don't know. I, not that I've heard of. But the fact that she kind of, Talana kind of like, you know, does the whole lip smacking and stuff. A little creepy, you know? I very believable that that actually happened. Oh, Dr. Oh, Talana gets more and more Awful. ridiculous. Yeah, that was my, what the fuck? And they never, like, they did, they ran with the joke several times. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a one-off. I think we're lucky that Tana was sloshed from that yard drink. Uh, she couldn't catch up to the Betazoids in time. They were lucky Shax was there. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Some more milk. Calm oh, right my down. God. So awful. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's the perfect note to end this uh, episode discussion on, the whole weird creepiness. Like, how? Do you, so, I mean, we're halfway through the season. Uh, we're still getting just tiny little tidbits on the meta plot. How are you? What do you think about all that? It's clearly a one-off. I don't think it needs a meta plot, but you know, it's fine. Um, it's yeah. definitely not as entertaining as the previous meta plot bits, but mm. I mean, how long can you do alien lower deckers? Oh <laughs> my God. Now I want Breen lower deckers. Whereas all you hear is that <laughs> the sounding voice. <laughs> they just gesticulate most of the time. Oh my God. Uh, that would be amazing. With or without Starburst. subtitles though. No subtitles. Subtitles would <laughs> ruin it. <laughs> All the audio just... Yes. 
<laughs> what have you done? This is a great idea. Tweet to McMahon immediately. See if he'll do it. Maybe it's coming. I can't knows. tweet. There's no more tweeting. It's all Xing now. Oh yeah, you got an Xing. Got an X uh, McMahon. That sounds so, weird. So terrible. Let's not X anybody. But, I mean, uh, I guess you know. I guess we got to speak about X now, right? I guess so. <sighs> well, we said all there is to say about the episode. Yeah, we got Doc Reed out. I think. Fortunately, next episode. week we'll be back for episode seven of season four. In the meantime, you can find us on X, in case you didn't get that's where we're going, at Lower Dorks. Or, if you're looking for a home-cooked Betazoid meal, just unsubscribe, you sick fucks. That is gross. (laughs) I'm not sure, yeah. Don't eat sentient beings. Yeah. I don't care what your culture is. Get some help. Yeah. Stop listening to us and get some help. Jesus, people. Thank you.